Hey everybody, my name is Alex and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. Um, before we get started, thank you to everybody who listened to my last episode on Be the Beginning. I was really surprised at how quickly that one got picked up. But um, before we get into it, into it, I wanted to once again go over the plans for the mysterious two weeks at which I will not be recording week to week. There still will be an episode for both of those things. It will just not be a formal me talking to you about a, a animated property kind of thing. The um, it there'll be more like I'm planning on doing one like industry focused panel and then one industry focused um panel, huh? Um, one industry focused episode. Where I look at things in the actual anime industry, which I realize I, I don't do much on this show, at least much on purpose in this show, and that's by design because I really want to talk about like shows that I like and shows that I want to share with you guys, the listeners. But I, I think that a lot of importance is placed on creators. All the time, which is a good thing, but I think that, you know, the people, the great directors of anime and everything make things for people to see them. And if you are focused, if you are so hardcore focused on them as a director, sometimes you can look past the actual works they created in an effort to just, like, dissect those things in a really cold way. So usually I try and stay away from that on this show the other one i'm not sure what i'm gonna do um the other the second episode i'm not sure what i'm gonna do but i have a couple ideas rolling around in my head so we'll 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 see where that goes but this is also the last episode before christmas and since it's probably the last live episode i will be putting out on the last quote-unquote live episode that I will be putting out on this this year. I want to say Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays or Happy Hanukkah and Happy New Year to everybody out there listening. And thank you for continuing to listen and I hope you continue to listen next year. And on that note, we're here to talk about one of the kind of not just seminal anime holiday films, but lots of people would call it a seminal, uh, essential holiday film period. And that, and I have to apologize for the audio for the trailer I, like, determined to put into this, into the opening segment here because I couldn't, I couldn't believe this thing. And you'll hear what I'm talking about in just a second because this time we're talking about Tokyo Godfathers. Tokyo, Japan. Three homeless people discover an abandoned baby and join together to reunite mother and child. A man ashamed of his past. A girl afraid to go home. And a woman with a remarkable secret. Columbia TriStar proudly invites you to join three unlikely heroes on a spectacular journey filled with miracles, wonder, and redemption. Yoshi. From the award-winning anime director, Satoshi Khan, the visionary behind Perfect Blue and Millennium Actress, and world-renowned animation studio, Madhouse, the creative force who produced X, Vampire Hunter D, and Ninja Scroll, comes the critically acclaimed Tokyo Godfather. So, now that we've all lived through the reality that is the Columbia Picture trailer, for Tokyo Godfathers, which is just, it's just surreal. 
It's just very strange. Because it is the way you would imagine someone would pitch a holiday movie that was wholly American, but also wholly insensitive to large, like, plot-related elements of that movie while at the same time showing you parts of that movie that it's just not acknowledging. <laughs> and... I, I, but at the same time, weirdly, that trailer does something... D does something to tell you kind of the mood of the movie. Because it... it Tokyo Godfather is by... By design... A really heartwarming movie about family and above all about found family and about sticking together and accomplishing a goal and about what it means to have people who care about you and that's that's really important around the holidays and but what's also interesting is that Satoshi Kon it has not shied away ever in his... Uh, by the way, if you did not know, Tokyo Godfather was directed by Satoshi Kon and one was co-directed by Satoshi Kon and I have his name right here, um, Shogo Furia in, and released in America at least in 2003. And before we get back to the thing proper... I will say there's one very strange thing about about um, Tokyo Godfathers, and that is lots of us, if we are thinking about it hard enough, will think to ourselves, there's a dub of Tokyo Godfathers. And that's true. There, well, at least that was true. So at some point, Tokyo Godfathers was shown on TV at, as a like holiday movie, because that's really what it is. It's about... It's about a kind of it's a it's a, it's a holiday it's a holiday film, um, but it was shown as not as a subtitled movie but as a dubbed movie. That was a dub that was created for that one time broadcast, and the only people who have it, the only way you're going to get it. Is if some if if somebody has a recorded VHS tape, they ripped to their computer. Like if you're seeing a English slash American dub of that movie, it's because it came from that one weird broadcast, I believe. Which is just just as a thing is wild to think about. Like whoa, um, but. What I was saying was, the trailer, while wholly hokey and like holiday movie, circa ninth, circa early aughts and in late nineteen nineties, Columbia Picture trailer, gets at this sense of found family that is that this movie is flooded with, and but what it manages to skirt is the following plot points. By the way, spoilers if you haven't seen Tokyo Godfathers. Um, but if you haven't, like, rent it, watch it right around now. It's There are very few better things you can do with the empty, with the empty space of entertainment that is the holidays. <laughs> Then watch a good holiday movie, and Tokyo Godfathers is, I guarantee you, one of the best. Um, although, I just watched the holiday episode of Agresco on Netflix, and that that's an okay, weird, short thing. <laughs> it's all I'll say about that. But, um, the thing that Tokyo Godfathers has it has a really honest look at the kind of not cleaned up version of of at 
is the time it was made, modern day Japan. It has an honest look at what it's like to be at homelessness. That actually the next best, like, um, the next best thing that deals with that is actually with it was that comedy series, um, that came out last season. I forget what it was called, but it was about a psychic girl from another world. And, um, I did, I did an episode on it. Um, but it's, I, it's, I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's a really great show. And one of the characters, I remember this character's name, Izu, it becomes homeless. Like, they, they start this thing off as, uh, Hinamatsuri is the name of the show. Hinamatsuri starts off this joke about Izu not really having a place to stay as being a joke. And then they take it into, like, real serious Aizu has to learn how to be a homeless person in, in a in a real way in sort of what you're allowed to believe, Tokyo. And they have a portrayal of, they have a really interesting, unique portrayal of homeless people and homelessness in Japan in modern-day Japan in that show that is really fascinating. It takes a look at why people in such a family-oriented culture would cho- would either become homeless or would choose to be homeless because there are characters f- for whom both are tr- for whom both or either are true in that show and it's it's just a fascinating like thing that that show gets really um detailed on in a way that it really didn't need to because it's a it is a very funny comedy show um but that's kind of the best that's kind of the second time at least in my memory that someone deal that any anime property dealt with homelessness in such a direct way um and, but in Tokyo Godfathers, they deal with other things, too. And they deal with things through the guise of homelessness, basically. And so the first character, the characters, the main three characters of this show are a, this homeless guy named Gin, um, a homeless, a homeless um, drag queen home with gay drag queen named Hannah and uh, this homeless teenage girl named Miyuki. And they all are kind of this weird family unit who lives in a, like, homeless car... in, like, a tent city somewhere in a park in Tokyo. And And all the other homeless people know that, like, these three hang out together and they and that they quote unquote live with each other and they tend to stay away from them because they any of them individually because they know that they kind of like protect each other so there's a scene in the movie where Miyuki the homeless the homeless teenage girl bumps into these other homeless guys and they're like oh we don't want to fuck with you Gin will find us and beat the shit out of us. It happened to somebody else like last month. Um, and what that little scene does is it, it's one of the first, um, indications in the movie that the, that they truly care about each other and that they take care of each other and they stick together like a, like a found family. Uh, because up till then, uh, you you see them bickering with each other. You see them screwing with the rest of the world around them. You see them. Uh, uh, you, you see them struggling through life as homeless people, and throughout the movie, you get little glimpses of what each character's. 
half-life before they were homeless was like. Um, in, and actually, this is where this is where that lovely trailer that I played for you guys at the beginning of the of this episode kind of really just fucks it up. Just it it kind of just it goes bad because they say they 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 call a they call Hannah a a woman, which is not. Not necessarily incorrect, but it's not correct because Hannah is very much a drag queen. She's not, they are not necessarily a woman. They don't, they never, they never broach the topic of how Hannah identifies, but they do broach the topic that Hannah used to work at a host, at a drag queen hostess club. And it's like, there's a point in the movie, uh, later on in the movie, where you spend some time in that hostess club, and it's just like, it's wild. (laughs) And like, a great, awesome, full of drag queens and drunk businessmen way. (laughs) Um, But it's at least alluded to that Hannah has AIDS. Um, There's a scene where they are in a hospital, and Hannah has like all but passed out and the doctor says your friend is very weak she needs she she needs rest and relaxation and nutrition and gin says like look look doctor dude we homeless those aren't things that just like are in our lives and the doctor says to him and this is this is very interesting because most of us don't think about what it's like to be homeless or what it's like for homeless people in in the wider world. Uh, and But yet most of us who at least live on either of the coast and, and have interaction with a place like, Calif- like all of California or most of New York know what it looks like to be homeless. I mean, I can tell you I walked by a homeless person last week and they were sitting in the sleeping bag reading a book they were lying down in the sleeping bag before they went to bed they were reading a book and that there's a way of life to that but what there also is 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 there's a social stigma to that that people don't want so this is a weird the weird concept that once I tell once I tell you about it, you'll realize like, oh, that makes sense, if you haven't already grasped it at this point. And I know it because I know about it because I am a childhood cancer survivor who's also physically disabled. Blah 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 blah. blah. But people don't like to have anything to do with people who have real unsolvable who have real difficult unsolvable struggles and what I mean by that is when you were a kid I'm bet if you knew any kid who had a terminal illness I'm betting you didn't hang out with him all that much and it's not because you're scared of catching it or your parents are scared of catching it in fact it probably has a lot more to do with parents than kids in many cases because kids don't have the framework to like realize what that means it's that there is something truly difficult that is not that can't be overcome by saying like oh it'll be okay because you don't know that it will and Tokyo Godfather does a great job of conveying the kind of outsider status that people who have insurmountable problems the, the problems that a person can't sit there and help them fix truly have and they and Satoshi Kon and Furia Fur, give this give each of the char- each of the three main characters Gin 
Miyuki and Hana real difficult problems, things that aren't that can't just be wiped away. So in and I'm going to go through them right now. So once again, spoiler alert. In Gin's case, Gin was a gambler and was a gambling addict and a drunk. And he it got so bad and he owed money so frequently and was such a drunk that he eventually abandoned that he eventually abandoned his family and his and his daughter at the time would go would him his daughter and their mother would check unidentified corpses to make sure that it wasn't him or to see if they could find at least find him and it it becomes very apparent that Gin had so monumentally fucked his life up that there was no there was no way that he could it be, it became a choice of either keep going down this path or stop here and don't and don't try and climb back up or it's such an emotional hurdle for him to climb back up that it would take some real it takes some real human growth for him to accomplish that and then there's Miyuki and Miyuki Miyuki step Miyuki's story that her her she came from like a happy home and she had a kitten and her dad I think either the kitten died and her dad didn't tell her in a way that was like the kitten died and I got rid of the body or I it's kind of unclear what happened there but the result is she stabbed her father who is also a metropolitan police detective and as a result she ran away from home and she's like 17-ish and she probably ran away when she was 15-ish um and then there's Hannah. And Hannah was a drag queen at a hostess club. And she ultimately kind of ran away with, slash shacked up with one of the clients, and he died. And because she didn't want to place any more burden on the, on the madam of that hostess club, an older drag queen who she called Mother... Um, she just, she, she, she drifted into homelessness. And what's interesting about Hannah's story is actually that that is more akin to a way that anyone could drift into homelessness. Miyuki's story is, is pretty extreme, and so, and... Gin's story is a common is a common story about addiction destroying someone's life. They are things you hear about all the time, but they are not things that could happen to that could necessarily happen to any of us, even if even if ostensibly they could. But Hannah's story is more than likely how it would happen to any of us. We had a happy life set up for ourselves. We were we had our shit together and then a something takes us down a darker path and it's not our fault. But once again, later on in the story you realize that Hannah probably has AIDS. And this this story isn't this story's main A plot, however, is actually about the characters finding a finding a child on the trash. 
at fi- finding a baby in the trash. I should say, not like a child, not like a toddler, like a finding a newborn in a dumpster <laughs> or in a trash pile, rather. And they're just like, oh fuck, what do we do? And Gin is just like he's trying to be responsible, and he's like, and at the point at this point, you don't know Gin. It used to be a father. Gin is like. We need to take this kid to the police. Because this kid, like, we can't take care of this kid. Hannah has, like, this eruption of, like, wanting to be a big gay mom. And it's like, we can take care of the kid. And Miyuki is just, understandably, a pissed 17-year-old. It's like, we don't, we don't have room for a kid. We, I agree with Gin. We need to take it. We need to take it to the police. We're not. Ta- we can't take care of this kid. And the first kind of thing that happens is Miyuki goes out to get Miyuki goes out because they because they have to get water so that so that they can make milk for the kid to like so they can use their evaporated milk and make milk for the kid to drink. Um, they find a baby bottle. I guess boy. Boy, put it, boil it in water so it's clean, and what follows is one of the best, like weird, like "fuck you, I'm homeless" interactions I think I've ever seen. In that, so Miyuki goes to like the local convenience store, and she and Gin has given her money to buy water, and she and she's buying two bottles of water, and the clerk. Who's clearly seen her before? It's like you're buying water. You have the money to buy this much water, and she's like gives him this "fuck you" face. It's like Christmas miracle, I guess. Because the other thing about this, the other thing about this film is that it takes place, I believe, like the day before the the first section of it takes the first night of it is the I think the night before Christmas Eve and it goes all the way up through like New Year's and maybe two three maybe like a day after it actually goes all the way up through New Year's Eve um but so she buys the water and then she's like fishing out um old barely expired rice balls from the from the trash behind the convenience door. Um so they all have something to eat. And then she bumps into to the two homeless guys and this is where they say like, Don't fuck with me, Yuki, Gin will kill you. Um and you also see that she is trying her damnedest to like take care of this baby until they can get it returned. To his right, to his rightful parents, and she picks up she, when she bumped into the other homeless guys. They spilled a bunch of books, and she just straight up takes this parenting book. She's like, "You guys aren't selling this. This is mine now. Don't you come near me." And so that nothing kind of comes of that, but they demonstrate they demonstrate that Miyuki does care and Miyuki isn't isn't just this cardboard cut out of a teenager who's just kind of selfish and an asshole um, which, is, which is a nice touch which is a really nice touch and then the next morning comes and Gin and Miyuki's like they're gone and Miyuki's like, they're gone after she wakes Gin up and Gin's like, what the fuck? What do you mean they're gone? And she's like, they're gone. And this is where I personally noticed something. This this whole movie takes place in this kind of snowy atmosphere of Tokyo in winter. In like, December. And because of that, because of the overca- constant overcast gray, it gives this the movie, this quality of, it's like, it's almost constantly nighttime, even when it's not. And what that does for the movie is it puts the characters 
constantly in this it gives you these characters constantly feeling like they are separated from the bright sunny world of successful happy people living in Tokyo with a house and with a home and the other thing they do really well is the few times the few times the few times they encounter a home it's either like completely demolished which there are which there's one instance of that or it's like a one room studio apartment that's so packed with shit because it's the it's the thing that the characters that you that the characters that you meet could afford and the characters that you meet in that case are actually immigrants which is also really fascinating because they 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 have a portrayal of a I want to say a, a, definitely a Hispanic guy, but I believe a Mexican guy and his wife were just living in Tokyo, and the Mexican guy tries to assassinate somebody, who we'll get to in a second. So, in addition to finding the baby, they found this key to the. They found a key to this locker, and they find out that the ultimately they find out that the locker is this. Baby is this uh, you like to believe are belong to the baby's parents, but I'm not sure that it did. But what you what you encounter is you encounter like home you encounter these homeless people seeing this expression of wealth that we that we don't often think about, which is. Like, the way we go on vacation. So, um, they, they figure, oh, this is a lead. This is a lead to who the baby belongs to. Let's go get the stuff. Let's go look at this locker. Let's go get the stuff out of it. And they pull out vacation luggage. And the vacation luggage is filled with all this stuff. And there's this moment, there's this really great moment that, il that illustrates the difference between someone with an abundance of money to spend and go on vacation in some place warm and someone with no money, so little money that they have to live in a tent city in a park. And it's when Miyuki picks up this woman's like transparent song and she's like what was this? What was these panties? There's nothing here. It would be so cold. I would get sick in a second. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like, when, when you are, when, when you have enough money, you spend, like, all kinds of frivolous money on clothes. And you buy, you buy clothes for, all kinds of different seasons, like you, like I, lots of people. I don't because I'm crazy, but lots of people, they change out their clothes per season. Like you have stuff you wear in the summer and stuff you wear in the winter and stuff you wear in fall and stuff you wear in spring. Um, but if you're homeless, you have one set of clothes, and maybe you get to boil them in water at the homeless shelter. Once every couple months. Maybe that's what you get to do. Maybe. That's a strong maybe. So you, so you have one set of things to wear. You don't have, because you don't have the luxury for, like, to go out and spend any money on anything, much less, you know, a new outfit. <laughs> and it's easy to forget about that. And that... And the little touch of them going through the, going through the vacation bag of this young couple 
It gives you that touch of like, oh, how strange. And so they began, so they began kind of searching for this young couple. And it's along the way you learn about first you learn about Miyuki and then you learn about Gin and ultimately you learn about Hannah. But you also see them encounter all kinds of weird things and Satoshi Kon specifically has a great knack for taking a fairly serious storyline and constantly injecting it with slight comp with slight offbeat comedy for you to feel to make you feel kind of cozy about like a situation that all things considered it's kind of terrible like look at these homeless people and this baby someone threw out let's spend some time with them but they managed to make it but Toshi Kon and the and and Sh and Shogo Furia managed to gives it this kind of whimsical quality that makes it less that makes it less of like a serious docu-series about like how the world needs to fix itself and more almost baby day out-esque and one of the most baby day out things you encounter is they're just walking along and they're looking for this specific address and they're like doing their little march through the snow and they just they encounter this massive fat dude who is being run over by an empty car <laughs> they're just like and they just like walk right past him he's like oh, 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 oh. and he like reaches out to them and they just walk right past him and they're like wait what's the actual f what in the entire fuck with that and they go back and they help and they lift the car up as like now Miyuki's holding the baby and they lift the car up I, I think they named the baby um Kyoko so Miyuki's holding baby Kyoko and they lift the car up and they get the fat guy out and turns out the fat guy is a Yakuza boss <laughs> And, hands them, and the way they do that is really clever. He hands them his card, and you see that he's missing the top two digits of his pinky. Which, if you don't know, that's a common, like, denote... I think he's only missing one digit of his pinky, actually. That's a common way to denote a Yakuza member, because one of the ways you get punished when you're Yakuza is you pay with a digit of a finger, and usually... They just give the first digit of their pinky. Um, so it's it, so they end up in the car, and you know they ha they have this other lead of a hostess club. Well, although you're led to believe that's not necessarily a hostess club; it's more like a brothel that the mother supposedly worked at, and so they give this guy a they give this guy a they, they tell this guy like we're looking for this host for somebody might work for this girl and they show him the picture and he's like oh yeah my daughter's getting she worked at a hostess club my daughter's getting married to the guy who runs it He'll, so I, I'm going to the wedding you can come with me you can ask them there and like, okay, great. And the weird, the hilarious thing is, like, now, so, like, and if you've ever seen Paprika, if you haven't seen Paprika A, you should go see Paprika. That's a fun ride. I did a episode on Paprika in this podcast you can check out. But, um, if you've ever seen Paprika, you know that Satoshi Kon has a distinct talent for layering on the kind of, like, these plot elements to create these weird dioramas composed of, like, all these 
unique character in a really unique situation and like letting it run its course in a unique way. Um, and this, like this sequence in this movie is part of that. So they go to the wedding after you see Gin have this conversation with um, the mob boss because the mob boss doesn't necessarily approve of the guy who his daughter's getting married to because he's like, he's kind of too much of a scumbag for my kid. And Gin's just like, but she's happy, right? So that's all that's important. And the mob boss is like, yeah, you must also be a dad. He's like, yeah, I was once. Which is another charming little character moment that this movie is full of for those three main characters. So they get to the thing, the cute, the cute, like, apologetic scene of Kyoko changing, um, baby, uh, of, um, Miyuki changing baby Kyoko's diaper, and she's like, I'm sorry, I spilled all your food, I suck. Um, but... And then the wedding turns into an assassin, a failed assassination attempt of the mob boss dude, and the person who ends up dying is the hut is the groom. And in that process, Miyuki and Kyoko get kidnapped. And so, if this kicks off kind of like, if if there are like three acts of this movie, this kicks off the top of the second act, the top arc of the movie, and then the movie starts to, like, ramp down quickly to a conclusion. And... So Miyuki is now kidnapped, and she's being, like, pulled down this alleyway where she steps on a syringe, and she's like, oh, fuck. Because she... She... She gets it in her head that this Mexican dude is this Mexican assassin is going to take her, drug her, and sell her into slavery. And she's just like, I'm not gonna go into slavery, oh god. Um which doesn't happen. He actually just drops them off with his with I think his wife and their kid. And the wife like it's just kind of loving, and just, they're just trying to make ends meet, and the Mexican guy probably took the assassination job so they could get enough money for Christmas kind of thing. And she, in a really, really, really inspired scene, because the Me the thing that they do with the Mexican guy is the Mexican guy doesn't speak Japanese. And the whole thing becomes this weird misunderstanding because he doesn't speak Japanese and she doesn't, and Koyuki, and Koyuki, Miyuki doesn't speak Spanish. So there's this weird bilingual scene in which through broken English and their own languages, Miyuki and the Hispanic guy's wife sort through Miyuki's, like, sordid past with her, with her father and her parents, and that's where you get her whole explainer. In the meantime, Gin and Hannah are, like, falling apart because Hannah wants to go look for Miyuki. Gin is like, they're lost to the city, we're, we're never gonna find him. He gets frustrated and is being and he is being kind of confronted by real by more reality he he can't handle so he eventually it, like wusses out gives up and starts drinking again and Hannah goes off to find them and ultimately does find them but he Hannah leaves Gin with the luggage and the picture and they and these teenage at and these like 20 something or teenage assholes basically beat the shit out again because he like finds this other drunk dude 
who uh, the movie makes out to be a reflection of what Gin could be in the future. And and it doesn't spell it out for you. It doesn't spell out for you, but you understand that through Gin's like action towards this old homeless guy. And it's it's really fast. It's really fascinating just to watch him realize, like, oh, I don't want to be like this guy. I don't want. I don't want to die, not having seen my kids. I don't want to die alone and homeless in a cardboard shack. And from that point to the end of the movie, he really shapes up and he takes the initiative in dealing with the whole thing. And so ultimately they find the person who whose baby it is. They find this couple. Or or they or they have just given up on finding the couple and oh, Miyuki and Hannah have given up on finding the couple and they're walking by and they have another like oh, what the what the what the entire fuck was that was that when they're walking by and this woman, what looks like a businesswoman, is just standing on the edge of a bridge. And she's getting ready to jump. And they're like, what the hell? <laughs> Again? And they backtrack, pull this woman down, save her. And she's like, I can't go on without my kid. I don't know where he is. My husband threw him out. And Hannah was like, this is your kid, I think. And they hand baby Kyoko over. And they, and then you realize, that lady's crazy. And this is, this is a thing that happens, this is a thing that does not, that has happened in America, is that, and, and when it happens, is either someone who can't get pregnant, or someone who did get pregnant, and the baby died, and they had a stillbirth, or something like that. Some kind of emotion, deep emotional trauma happens to them. And sometimes, you just get a crazy lady who steals a baby from a hospital. Because that's the way the world is sometimes. And this is one of those late, and this is one of those crazy ladies. And you... So, in order to rescue the baby, you get the climax of the movie where... All three of them band together. All three of them become basically the best versions of themselves. And at this point, you've seen Hannah return to like his drag queen like bar. You've seen Gin reunite with his daughter, who's actually named Kyoko, and kind of re and reconcile with his daughter and his daughter say like I always wanted to see you again and you get that whole story from her about them look looking at unidentified bodies to find him and Kyoko gives him her address and you find out that Kyoko is basically like has that Gin's daughter has had father issues for years and is now marrying like a guy that is Gin's age as a result of it, and you're like, holy shit, okay. Um, but, um, you, you see Miyuki attempt to make up with her father, but she, she just can't bring herself to do it, but the, the pieces are there for it to happen, and they all unite around rescuing this kid from this, crazy lady who is has basically kidnapped this child from the, who kidnapped the child from the hospital and they do it the big the big christmas miracle the big holiday miracle at the end where Hannah like gets blown and floated down to the ground by like 
a mystical gust of wind. And it... And then the couple gets the baby back. And they have a nice... They have a nice just hit of reality at, at, this, at this point in this film. And that reality is the detectives are like... They're like, who got our baby back? We want to thank them. We want to make these... We want to make these people the baby's godparents. There's no way that they are not... That they're leaving the ho this hospital without being the baby's godparents. We need to meet them. And the detectives get about... Bring them... Say, like, they're, they're in the other ward. And the... Now the homeless... Now the three of them are just, like, weird homeless people again. The way they were at the beginning of the movie, like, bickering and arguing and just, like, existing as this found family. But now they're just, like, in a hospital room, and Hannah is displeased because she is in the, men she is in the men's wing. And Miyuki is just kind of dealing with the both of them. She's trying to get Gin to stop smoking in the hospital. Um... And then the detectives are like, we have to warn you, we have, we should warn you, we're told they're homeless. And the characters are, and the, the parents are actually really great and they say, we don't care. We don't care. They saved our kid. We want to thank them properly. And there's such a genuine, like, moment of humanity there when the parents are just like, we don't care. They saved our kid. We want to help them. Pro we want to thank. We, they deserve to be thanked properly. And if we can do anything for them, we want to do it. They helped our kid. We want to meet them. And that lack of fear is really this kind of, like, beautiful moment in the, in the movie. It, like, flies by. But another thing that you see when they're in the hospital and, and they brought Hannah to the hospital is you see a... You see a... Newscast that says... An extreme rarity has happened. A lottery ticket has been... The, the win of the lottery is a rare string of entirely ones. And the entire... For the entire movie, you see this kind of lottery ticket that Gin has picked out of the trash and is all written on. And then they zoom into it at the end of the movie. And it's the lottery ticket that won the, like, massive jackpot. And you're just like... Oh, good. They'll be okay. And then... All the... And then in the end of the movie, all the buildings start dancing. And a Japanese version of Ode to Joy starts playing. Uh, it's just this... It's this warm... Happy feeling... That is just produced by this movie that I... That I, having had seen it at least three times before, had totally forgotten about. And if there's a movie that you like, there's a movie like this that you're like, I remember really liking that. I totally encourage you, go back and watch that movie again. You probably, you might still really like it. It will probably still produce the same feeling in you somehow. And I just, I... I picked Tokyo Godfathers because I wanted to do a distinctly holiday-themed movie. I didn't want to do what I did last year, which, if you remember, was Gundam Wing Endless Walls, which is a Christmas movie of sorts. But I still wanted to do, like, I, I wanted to make my Christmas episode. In, in anime terms. Well, really not just in anime terms anymore, but really in TV terms, since most shows have a Christmas episode now. But I always identify that as, like, anime has... 
anime has three staple episodes they'll always go back to. There'll always be a bat. There'll always be a bathhouse episode. There will always be a beach episode, and there will always be a Christmas episode. And this is I tried it with you or that, and I try to have a Christmas episode. I promise I'll never have a bath episode. I don't think you want to see me like that. So, um, on that note, however, I hope you like this episode. And once again, going forward, the next two episodes might be a little shorter because there'll be a little something different, but there'll still be something on here for you to listen to over the holidays, which I'm very proud about. Um, but also, if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to it in your podcast listening apparatus of choice. And also be sure to, like, share it with your friends, share it with your family if you, if you have cousins coming over for Christmas or, or the holidays and they like anime, you're like, here, listen to this dude. He, he talks about anime on the internet. He seems to know at least... Let's let's say conservatively fifty percent of what he's talking about. Let's say actually let's say let's give me sixty five percent of what I'm talking about, I hope. Um but or you can leave me a review in once again your any place you review podcasts. And you can give me a five star review, that helps the show. Um But until next time my name is Alex, you can listen to Lunchbox Radio. Talk to you. Talk to you.